Proverbs chapter 6 and verse 6. 2,000 years ago, God sent Jesus Christ to be born of the Virgin Mary. Jesus grew up and had never committed one sin. He, he, at one point in his ministry, the Bible says he set his face to go to the cross. Aren't you glad he set his face to go to the cross? Jesus <coughs> determined... <coughs> He determined to follow the will of God and to fulfill the purpose for which God created him. And at least in his human form. God created him uh, when he was born of the Virgin Mary. Now he's uncreated as the divine son of God. He's eternal. But Jesus had a purpose, and he went to the cross, and he paid the price for sin, for all sin, your sin, my sin, the sin of every man from the beginning of time to the end of time. Jesus paid the price, and he took the wrath of God upon himself. He took the judgment, the justice of God upon himself as only someone who is both God and man could do. Jesus fully paid your price and my price for sin. And then he said these words, it is finished. And then he died and was buried and rose again the third day. Can I tell you, Jesus was preparing for the future. He was preparing for your future and for my future. I'm so glad that Jesus did his work of preparation, aren't you? Now, Jesus needed to do that work, and we respond to that work. If you don't know Christ today, you respond by making the decision to turn from your sin. And, and by the way, he will give you the Holy Spirit inside to help you do that as you make that choice. And then to receive the free gift of salvation from Jesus in simple trust. Salvation is a gift you receive. And so Jesus did this work of preparation so that you and I could respond to him and prepare for eternity. Amen? Now, I want to tell you, that's the best decision of preparation that I've ever made. The very best one. All of life has no meaning apart from Jesus Christ. Yes, there's things that you can enjoy and there's some things that that are in this world. But I'm going to tell you something. When I gave my heart to Christ, that's when life began. And all the, the rest of it is extra window dressing. Jesus Christ is the reason for living. So, uh, we're going to talk about preparation for your future. But I want to talk about it in the context of that great preparation that Jesus did for us. And as using Jesus as an example. Now, you and I can't save the world, can we? But we can fulfill the purpose for which God created us. Amen? Now, if you're a child of God, if you've already made that decision to trust Jesus as your Savior, God has given you the Holy Spirit. He's given you spiritual gifts. He's given you talents. He's created you with certain abilities so that you can fulfill the purpose for which God created you. But we need to make 
preparation, right? Uh, you make preparation when there's a new baby coming, don't you? My sister, uh, yesterday, uh, we got a call, and she had her seventh child. His name is Peter, and uh, we're so excited about, about that. But can I tell you, they made some preparations for him. Uh, they prepared a place for him to, to live, you know, uh, a room and, a, and set up a bed and set up all these different things. Why? Because they were preparing for their future. Some of you prepare for your future and your finances, and that's a smart thing to do. But we need to prepare. We need to take steps of preparation. And Solomon here is giving us some good guidelines that we can prepare financially in our lives. Uh, but also, some of these things just apply generally to preparation in life. And he's speaking as though he's speaking to his son. I kind of imagine maybe Rehoboam <clears throat> is sitting there beside him and he's trying to give him some good advice, as a father often does. And he's saying, listen, this is the way you need to do things if you're to live and prepare for the life that God has created you to live. And he speaks to him directly. And he speaks to him with urgency. You can feel the urgency. Have, have you ever felt that way with your kids? <clears throat> Maybe there, were, there was something that you knew they needed to get and they weren't getting it. Have you ever had that happen? <clears throat> and so you, <clears throat> you begin to, to passionately speak to them and try to get through and explain in a way that they can understand. I think that's what Solomon's doing here. <clears throat> But each one of us needs to make the preparations necessary to live the life that God has called us to live, financially and otherwise. And God will bring his blessing along with that. The title of my message is Preparing for the Future. And we're in Proverbs chapter 6 and verse 6. Go to the ant, you slackard. Observe its ways and become wise. Without leader administrator or ruler, it prepares its provisions in the summer. It gathers its food during harvest. <clears throat> How long will you stay in bed, you slacker? When will you get up from your sleep? A little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the arms to rest, and your poverty will come like a robber, your need like a bandit. Preparing for the future. What are some things you can do to prepare for your future, both financially and otherwise? First of all, observe wisdom. Observe wisdom. He says, go to the ant, you slacker. Observe his ways and become wise. Sometimes it's good just to have an observant heart. And look at what other people are doing in life. Um, maybe you have, have somebody in your family or somebody that you know who is very wise. Who is wise in the things of God. And, and, and you watch their life and you watch their decisions and choices in their life. And they just are a godly example. As you look at somebody like that and you model yourself after, the, after that, that's a positive thing. I think of Paul. He says, imitate me as I imitate Christ. Now, you could get in trouble if you imitate somebody in everything because all of us are human. Amen? Uh, there's none of us perfect. 
Some people think preachers are perfect, but I'll, I'll let you in on a secret. We're not, okay? Uh, so don't be shocked by that. But anyway, uh, Paul said, imitate me as I imitate Christ. Have an observant eye. Look at other people and what they're doing and, and the decisions that they're making. And, and sometimes you can look at the person making the wrong decision and learn from that, right? Um, I think of the, the father, he, he saw this billboard and it said the, the men of distinction and um, had, had their alcohol and everything. And so he took his, his son down to the, to the ghetto and, and showed him these, these men lying down in their vomit and so forth. And he said, son, these are the men of distinction. Observe and learn. <laughs> you know, sometimes observing a wrong decision can help us. And sometimes observing a right decision can help us. I, I observed um, my pastor, Ron Ferguson, uh, years ago when I served as a music and youth director with him. He's just a godly man. And observed the kind way that he treated people. And I learned from that. I got some good things from that. I thought, boy, I, I want to I be like that. I want to learn that and, and apply that in my life. So observe. Now, in this case, he's observing an ant. <laughs> Is that not kind of ironic? Have you ever, have you ever had those uh, insult competitions on the playground? You know, where, you know, you're, you're so dumb that you, you know, hopefully you didn't say that, but you know, I know that those things go on, you know, and they compare. Well, you don't have the brains that, that an ant has, you know, and, and, you know, it's going back and forth. It's almost like he's saying, hey, go to the ant. He's got more sense than you do. Because he has learned some things, and, and he, God has given him some things in his instinct that he does that are wise. He may not have the brain you have, but he is doing something that is wise. And by the way, did you know it's not always the smartest person that's the wisest person? You can have more degrees than a thermometer and not be wise. You can make foolish decisions because wisdom in, in life is more than just knowing facts. Wisdom in life is knowing how to make decisions in a way that honors God, and how to live life the way that God designed it to be lived. And so, observe wisdom. Ob look, at, look at what's going on around you and learn from it. Um, a sister thing to this is, the Bible says a wise man listens to counsel. So you observe, you watch, but you also listen. And when you hear those wise words, you, you follow those things. So observe Wisdom, that's the first thing you need to do to prepare for your future. And you can avoid a lot of the mistakes that people make along the way. <clears throat> Secondly, not only do you observe wisdom, but take action. Take action. He says, observe the, its ways and become wise without leader, administer, or ruler. It prepares its provisions in the summer and gathers its food during the harvest. It takes action. Some of you um, have businesses, and uh, you've probably had some employees that you have to tell them everything to do. I mean, they, will just, they won't do it unless you tell them to do it. And then you have others that will do, they go above and beyond. They, just, they, work, they do things, and you don't have to tell them. They, just, they figure it out. Oh, well, this needs to be done. I'm going to do it. And they, they take action to do these things 
without having to be told. He's saying, look, observe the ant. He's taking action in his life. Um, I once heard a preacher say, uh, uh, he was talking about wives following the leadership of their husband and then saying to the husband's husband, she can't follow a parked car. You're not going anywhere. There's nothing to follow. And, and, you know, in life, sometimes we can get in a spot where we just don't take action. We just kind of sit and let life happen to us. He's saying, take action. Get busy and do the things that you need to do to prepare for your future. Especially at work, you need to take action. You're diligent. Uh, I remember when I was in the military, we had, uh, I, was, I was an average mechanic. I wasn't a great mechanic. Uh, but there was a guy I remember at our shop, and he would take those technical manuals home, and he would study those things. He'd pour over them, and I mean, he he learned them and and grew in his knowledge, and he got to where he was a great mechanic. I mean, he just what was what was he doing? He was taking action. Now all of us had to study some some technical information. We were going through tech school. But he went above and beyond. He took action to take it to the next level. And guess what? He was preparing for his future. Uh, because of his skill, he was able to move ahead. Some of you are in school and you're, you're taking steps to prepare for your, your future. Work hard. Take action and learn what you can learn to get ahead in your walk. Now, also, this is good in family life, right? Take action to do the things that you need to do in your family life. Uh, sometimes we know what we're supposed to do, but we don't do it, right? Now, I'll, I'll speak from testimony in that. All of us at times know what we should do, but we don't do it. And so we need to make that decision to take action. Spend that time with your spouse. Uh, uh, spend that time with your kids. Uh, do the things spiritually that you need to do with your family. Um, ask God how to be a spiritual leader and then take steps, men, to do that in your family as God has, has given us a direction to do. Uh, but, but take those steps. Take action. Get off. You say, I don't know how to do it perfectly. Well, if any of us knew how to do it perfectly, none of us would ever do it. I'm going to tell you something. None of us are perfect. None of us are perfect parents. None of us are perfect spouse. You take action and do what you know to do as best you can, and ask God to empower you in that, and God will bless you in it. Um, take action at church. Did you know that there is a work to do in the church of God? Uh, now, by the way, some of you are th sitting there thinking, well, I'm taking a lot of action, buddy. I need a break, <laughs> okay? I understand that, and some of you may need to say no to some things, okay? Probably not most of you, but some of you are in that position, and and it isn't healthy to work so much and to take so much action that it affects your health and it affects your family. You need to have a balance there. Uh, but it is also true that we must take action to do the work that God has called us to do, right? Why did God give us gifts? So that we could say, I got better gifts than you. <laughs> no, so we could use them, right? We could use those gifts to build up the body of Christ. Why did God give us a commission to share Christ? So we could say, boy, I, you know, I think sharing Christ is great. No, he gave us a commission so that we could go, so that we could reach people for Jesus Christ. So taking action, it applies to every area of your life, and it is important in preparing for the future, whether it's the future of your family, future of your church, the future of your workplace, 
uh, and your career, whatever it is, taking action is good. Profit comes from work. Amen? So, uh, take action in your life. It will help you prepare for your future. First of all, observe wisdom. Secondly, take action. Third, gather savings. Gather savings. Look at verse 8. It gathers its food during harvest. What's he doing? Have you ever, have you ever watched an ant? They, they carry these little, I'm not, not really sure what, what it is on their back, you know, these little, little almost as small as a speck. Uh, and they carry it to their ant hills. And uh, in Texas, we had uh, fire ants. And I used to mow, I'd mow over their, their hills, and big old hills. And they'd fly all over the place, and there'd be all these little white particles in the ant hills that they had brought in. They were gathering, gathering, gathering. Have you ever watched, I, I think they've got ADHD or something. You know, they never stop. They're always moving. Have you ever watched them? I remember as a little boy, I would, I would kick over the anthill and just kind of watch them. You know. and, uh, <clears throat> and then I, sometimes I'd pick them up and let them run on my arm, but they never stopped. They just kept, kept on going. Uh, gathering their food during the time when it was available. You know, there's a principle there for us. God has said he will provide all our need. Could it be that God's provision for tomorrow, some of it, is what he gives you today? And so uh, consider as you make money, as things are good, sometimes things are not good, and you need to prepare for those times of difficulty in the times where it's good. And set aside some saving. And this is a good balance. We, a couple of weeks ago we talked about giving. Uh, and about being willing to, to be God's instrument in giving. But this is a good balance to it. God also wants us to save. He wants us to set aside money. You saw, some of you are saying, well, that would be nice if I had money to set aside. I'd love to do it. <clears throat> well, wherever you are, let that be a long-term goal if it can't be a short-term goal. Uh, but, but if you can, save something. I remember when I was in the military, they, they talked to us about what we, if we set aside $20 a month out of our salary to invest, how much money we would have at retirement at our young age back then? And I was just, my mouth kind of dropped open. I was, I couldn't believe it. Just $20 a month. What difference it can make. And, and so God's word makes sense. God knows what he's talking about. And, and if you have some discipline, if you can teach your kids not only uh, to, to, um, to give to the church, I think that's a good thing to teach them, uh, to give their tithe, but also to save something out of what they get. That's a good skill, good life skill uh, that they can learn to use later on. Um, God has said, my God will supply all your needs according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus, and he will do that. He loves us as his children, uh, but he also gives us direction about how to use what he's given us. So before you make that next impulse buy, think about, Lord, could this be something you've asked me to set aside? You might even want to take that to God in prayer and say, Lord, I don't have a lot, or maybe I do have a lot, but Lord, what would you have me set aside? Um, 
some of the financial uh, people that I've heard that, uh, that share some different things, they, they give a plan of action. A lot of people in America are in debt. <clears throat> and they'll say, okay, well, first of all, what you need to do is you need to have you a, about a $1,000 emergency fund. <clears throat> Excuse me. $1,000 emergency fund, and then begin to pay down your debt, starting with the smallest debt, pay it off first, and just snowball that amount into paying off your next debt until you get your debt paid off, except for your house. Once you get that paid off, then you, you get about six months' worth of salary saved up so that if you get fired or you get laid off or something, you've got some, some cushion there. And then you begin to work on your house. And once your house is paid off, then you can begin to research investment and, and saving and, and so that you can uh, be prepared for things in the future. So uh, there's some, some things. If you're interested in going into that deeper, I can, I can connect you with some resources. Just, just talk to me about that. But that is a scripture that the Bible teaches, gather savings. Now, by the way, don't trust in your savings. Trust in God. Okay? Your savings uh, may be a blessing from God to help you through future times, but you need to trust in the Lord. And God may tell you to give the money that you've saved. Um, <clears throat> Charles Stanley, uh, as he was doing a, a fundraiser for uh, building a new building, they, they were, this lady came and she put her wedding ring in the offering plate. That God had laid this on our hearts. We feel like we were supposed to give this. And it just, it so impacted the church to see them giving something so personal and something that, that meant so much to them that people began to be convicted. God used it to kind of bring revival to the church. And, and the, all these people were feeling led to give these, these great amounts to, to step forward and move forward as a church. Uh, and, and one individual felt led to give his savings account to the church. Now, I'm not asking you to do that. Some of you say, well, preacher, you're trying to get us to do it. No, I'm, you don't do anything God doesn't tell you to do, okay? I, don't go there. What I'm saying is we can't hold tightly to the things that we have because ultimately all that we have is God's. And there are resources that he has given to us to help us live in life, but there are also resources he's given us to bless others. And if, if God has given you a lot of money, then God probably intends you to take some of that money and give it away. He's blessed you so that you can bless others. So <clears throat> gather savings in your life, and that will help you uh, in times of difficulty and in the future. So observe wisdom, take action, gather savings, and finally choose work. Choose work. Look at verse 9. How long will you stay in bed, you slacker? When will you get up from your sleep? A little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding their arms to rest. Your poverty will come like a robber, your need like a bandit. Now, you don't know if, if Solomon is speaking about a literal situation in his family or if he's speaking in a way of, hey, this is what's happened outside, so listen up, son. Don't let this happen to you. Uh, he's not saying that rest is wrong. Because the Bible teaches that rest is good. God, God has given us a time. You know, God did create the, the day and the night for a reason. So that you can get rest. That's, rest is not bad. Uh, but 
this person apparently makes excuses. Well, yeah, I just, I'll get to it. Yeah, a little more rest, a little more sleep. Uh, yeah, I'll get up sometime. And, and they're, they're excusing and, and diminishing what they're doing, but in reality, they're just lazy. And so the other person saying, how long are you going to stay in that bed? When are you going to get up? When are you going to get to work? Come on. He's trying to get through, get through to that person so that they will recognize where they are. And he says, listen, you don't, you don't repent of this. You don't, you don't get a handle on this in your life. You're headed for trouble. You're headed for poverty. It's going to come like somebody traveling, like, a, like a, a, a man with a shield who's come to do you harm. I mean, it's, it's coming if you don't repent. And so uh, we need to be aware of the danger and the struggle we may have with laziness sometimes. John Wesley used to get up at every morning at uh, 5 a.m. to have his, his time with God, and he would pray for an extended period of time. And then he would preach like three sermons a day, traveling around from place to place. I don't know how he did it. And then uh, <laughs> as he began to get, get a little bit older, uh, you know, he said, boy, I, I slept in to 6 o'clock today. That, that laziness is getting to me. You know, I, I just, and he, he just had such a strong work ethic. As Americans, we've gotten used to the, the pleasures of time off, although people were working more now than they, than they did um, a few years ago. But we need to be careful that laziness doesn't creep in. Now, some of you may not have trouble with being lazy at work. You get to work on time. You maybe get to work early uh, so that you can set up and, and so forth. And you are, you are very conscientious about doing what you're supposed to do at work. But maybe you're not conscientious about what you're supposed to do at home. And maybe some people who work all the time neglect what they're supposed to do at home. In that case, it'd be get up, do something at home. Spend time with your wife, spend time with your kids. How long are you going to, you know, and how long are you going to neglect this? So that warning sign, could, it, it could be applied to your spiritual life. How long are you going to just sit and soak? How long is it going to be before you take action and have a quiet time with God? How long is it going to be before you take action and serve God? How long is it going to be? And, and, and so God would say, listen, there is a work to be done. Now, you can overdo this, this thing called work. But most people aren't there. Most people are on the other side. So, Look at your life and ask God, Lord, am I doing the things you want me to do? Some things I may need to stop doing so I can do something else. Uh, I may need to say no to some good things so that I can do the best thing. But I need to make sure that I am taking action, that I'm choosing the work that I need to do to grow in my spiritual life, to become what God wants me to become. Uh, to, to be a blessing to other believers. 
uh, to, to be a blessing to my family. I need to take action in these areas. I need to choose work. Have you ever had one of those days where you just, I mean, you just didn't feel like doing anything? Yeah, I mean, you get up and you're like, oh, where's the coffee? And you stumble into the kitchen and, you know, it's everything's an effort. You know, I lift the coffee cup, you know, and uh, everything's difficult. And, and, you, and you go and, and you just seem to drag through the day. Sometimes, sometimes we need to stop and rest. Uh, but sometimes we've got to make a choice to overcome where we are with what needs to happen. I remember one time uh, I woke up, and this is when I lived in Illinois. I woke up, and I was having allergies, and my eye had swollen shut. Now, that's not too pleasant. <laughs> I didn't look too pleasant either. But I had work, so I got up, took a shower. It had started to open up a little bit by the time I got to work. It was all it was kind of nasty, but I won't go there, but... I didn't feel like going to work. Sometimes you don't feel like taking steps to show love to your spouse. Sometimes you don't feel like getting up to have your devotions. But it's necessary. And so you choose as an act of the will to do what you need to do. And it's a preparation for your future. You do that at work, it helps you, you, you plow through so you can continue on your career. It, it prepares for the future in your home so that you can have the family God wants you to have. It prepares you spiritually uh, as you make those choices so that you can be the child of God God wants you to be. Uh, it helps in the church. So as we do the things we're supposed to do in the church, the church can be what God intends it to be. And sometimes we don't feel like it, but we choose as an act of will. You know what I found spiritually? I found that the times that I don't feel like it are the times I need it the most. <laughs> you ever, anybody get, I probably could give testimony to that. Uh, sometimes I just am not into it, but God knows I need it. And after spending some time, sometimes there'll be a, a scripture that will come up that just blesses my heart. But you know what? If you don't, if you spend that time with God and you struggle through it, can I tell you something? God's going to honor you for that. You might say, boy, I slept through about half of it. And I, you know, I forgot where I was in my prayer time. And, uh, uh, you know, I only got a half a chapter of Scripture, whatever. You know what the Bible says? Him that honors me, him will I honor. You make that choice as an act of your will to honor God and he will honor you. So, Choose to do the things that God wants you to do to prepare for your future. Observe wisdom, take action, gather savings, and choose work. It will help you prepare for your financial future. It will help you prepare for your future in general as you do this. Um, each one of us has the opportunity to listen to wisdom. We need to make a choice to do what God has called us to do. Maybe there's one of these areas in your life today that God has kind of put his finger on. And you say, you know, I need to work on that. 
just I'm going to invite you here in a second to come to this altar and just tell God, Lord, whatever it is, um, maybe it's a quiet time. Maybe it's work. You're not doing what you should be doing at work. Uh, maybe it's your family. But whatever God has touched your heart about, I'm just going to ask you to come here to the front and just say, Lord, I want to choose as an act of my will to follow your wisdom and prepare for the future in this area of my life. If you're here today and you don't know Jesus Christ, the very best preparation you could ever make for your future is to begin a relationship with him. And the scripture says there are two eternal destinations, and I know that that's not politically correct today. And I know some people deny it. Just because you deny something doesn't mean it's not true. There's a heaven, and there's a hell. God doesn't want anybody to go to hell. God made hell for the devil and his angels. But those who reject God's only provision for deliverance will have to go there by default because God cannot tolerate sin. He's holy. He's perfect. So you need to prepare for your eternal destination. Where will I spend eternity? And the Bible says you can know. By putting your faith in Jesus Christ, your trust in Him, receiving His gift of salvation, you can know where you're going to spend eternity. The Bible says that God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whoever believes in Him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Whoever trusts Him. That's what I'm going to ask you to do this morning is to put your trust in Him, to prepare. Um, I'm going to be standing here at the front. Uh, but can I say something else about that? Trusting Jesus isn't just preparing for eternity. It's preparing for your future here. You know what Jesus said? He said, I've come that they might have life and have it abundantly. Full, meaningful life. Walking in relationship to him, in obedience to him. There's a joy there. You can't find it any other way. It's found in a relationship with Jesus Christ. So I want to encourage you to prepare. And what I'd like to do, if you come up here and you want to begin a relationship with Christ, I, I'd just like to lead you in a prayer. You pray after me, uh, a phrase at a time, and pray from your heart. Just tell God what you want to do this morning. And you can leave this place having received the gift of eternal life. You say, what about my sin? The Bible says when you trust Christ, it's all wiped away. Jesus paid the price. Amen. So come make that decision. God will save your soul. It's a promise. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for your word. Lord, forgive us for the time where we, we, the times we take your grace for granted. Uh, where we don't make the decisions that we should make and uh, maybe become lazy in our walk with you or or lazy in other things, God, and in our work or in our, in our relationships at home. But God, uh, help us not to stay there. Help us, Father, uh, to make the decision 